Welcome to Words to Mouth, an author interview talk show where readers meet authors beyond the printed page and win free books. I'm your host, Carrie, and I produce this show to introduce you to new and seasoned authors and the books they write. Please check out my companion blog website at wordstomouth.com for more author interviews, book reviews, and chances to win free books. That's words with an S, T-O, mouth.com. I'm very excited to have with us today Jane Porter. She's the author of a number of great books, including Mrs. Perfect and Flirting with 40. And Jane's here to talk to us today about her latest book, Easy on the Eyes, coming out July 22nd. Welcome, Jane. Thank you so much. So, Jane, you are a new mom with this beautiful baby boy, Mac, I just saw on your, I think it was on um, Facebook. <laughs> and before we get into the book, I just wondered, how's, the, how's that all going with having uh, a, new, a new baby? At, you're, you're 40, correct? I'm 45. So, oh, you um, are? You look so young. Oh, my gosh. No, it, the, the baby, I've never, it's my third, um, but my first baby in 10 years, and he has a combination of colic and acid reflux, and so he's adorable when he's asleep, but getting him there is, is a nightmare, but um, we're, we're all seven weeks into it, so we're doing pretty good. Oh, that's, I, I remember, I've got two daughters, and I remember that being about the time that you just kind of get exhausted. I, I think I hit that, and I have a book due in six weeks, or less than six weeks. I'm thinking, how will I write a book? But I'm, I'm sure I will. I yeah. always do. Yeah, you'll get it out there. Well, we now we talked um, a few weeks ago for my other project called Hope for Authors, and I just wanted to mention that to listeners who may also be writers to check that out because you've really shared a lot of great information. You know, and you're not only just a good storyteller, you're a great teacher. So I really suggest that people go to hopeforauthors.com and, and look into that. Before we get into Easy on the Eyes, can you give listeners who may not know you or may have not read your books before just a little bit of a backstory on maybe your upbringing and how? that affected your view on the world or affected your writing? Well, I think for me, being raised by, you know, educator parents, you know, I, I was really lucky. I think my father, who was the college professor, he raised this kind of with this method of, you know, he, he didn't tell us how to think. He asked us a lot of questions, and we were allowed to think, you know, our own thoughts. And it was wonderful because he was a writer as well. I saw him write, so it was very natural for me to write. But as um, I hit my teens, my dad died when I was 15, and oh. I began to, I had, you know, this little family that I knew, which had included a year of living in Europe with him where he was teaching. It all changed, and again, it forced me to ask more questions. And so I think the biggest part of, of what I write today and why I write anything is, one, I'm, I'm a storyteller. I love stories. I've, um, I've, I've loved to read my whole life. But I also have these kind of archetypes in my head and as well as issues. You know, why are we confronted with what we're confronted with and how do we cope and how do we manage? And I started keeping a journal when I was really young, even before my father died. Probably, probably we lived in Europe when I was 13. And, it, and it's very, you know, it's, it's the diary or journal. So I have thousands of pages written in first person using, you know, I. And so I think when I started writing some of my five-spot books, the I form. The first person was very comfortable. But at the same time, it it kind of followed this, um, you know, this exploration I, I began when I was younger about, you know, I dealt with everything from, you know, loss, grief, um, I don't know, you know, uh, uh, problems with love, marriage, divorce, adapting to, to problems, um, change. And that's kind of, those are just my themes, you know, what happens in our, our lives as girls and women. 
And I think that's what I write. And this new book, Easy on the Eyes, is uh, is another one that explores, you know, love, explores loss, um, image, self-image, and also, you know, what the media says about us as women. That's interesting. I, and, you know, I, my condolences about losing your dad so young. I didn't realize that. I remember reading something about you saying that you had, I think, the perfect childhood or something like that, a lovely childhood. And so I, I didn't realize that. And I that makes sense to me because sometimes when I know when I was reading Easy on the Eyes specifically, I wondered how you capture those little instances in life. You just have a gift in really capturing that um, or in the moment essence, I guess. And also, I am, uh, I'll am i be 44 on July 23rd, a day after your book comes out. And uh, I really, this book resonated with me because of just the subject. And maybe with that, we can maybe get into you giving an overview of what Easy on the Eyes is about. Uh-huh. Um, I'm so bad with this kind of thing, I have to tell you. I've been asked to try to write some of my own um, blurbs, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't write a blurb. I can write a novel. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's the story of Tiana Thomason. She's 38. She's anchored a show that's similar to, say, you know, Entertainment Tonight for seven years. Um, she's beautiful, and she's a single woman. She was married earlier, and her husband had died in Afghanistan. He was a photographer. But it, the story deals, basically it opens with her being confronted with the station wants change. They're losing, you know, their audience. And they're losing the, the demographics of a younger audience. And that's always what really pushes TV. So they want to bring on another woman, a young woman, to help, you know, bolster those those numbers and get more viewers. But it, it's Tiana's show. And so what Tiana's basically confronted with at 38 is um, aging as well as the way, you know, we look at women on television. She, you know, even though she doesn't look old by any, you know, of our standards, with TV in high definition, they don't, you know, she has to be flawless. She has to be, have this kind of perfect image. So that's part of it. But along with it is, you know, the, the idea of losing her show, it's all she has. It's, it's her life. She's a very, very driven career woman. Mm-hmm. And so she's threatened, you know, emotionally with um, the idea of, you know, what is she going to do to cap- recapture her youth, which we all know there's no way to really recapture that. We can, can do certain things. We can have surgery. We can, you know, fake only so far, but we're all going to age. It's part of our mortality. And then the, it's then the potential loss of her identity as Tiana Thomason, host of America Tonight. So that's that's kind of the, the story, and um, I've thrown in a, a a devious, wonderful, I love him, um, Dr. Michael Sullivan, and a plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. who's, who's a bit of her arch nemesis only because he, he likes to kind of tease her, and she doesn't like plastic surgeons, particularly him. And, you know, this story takes you a bit of, on a journey. It's, um, you know, it's hard for me to talk about, I think, because this is a, a tough book for me to write, and so I'm I'm not sure what the reader is going to come away from. I... I loved it because it challenged me so much. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what the readers think. Now, you mentioned that in our other conversation, and we really didn't talk about it in detail because it really didn't fit into the specific topic that we're talking about for Hope for Authors. But I remember you mentioning that, that you said this book was a hard book for you to write. You had to really work at, I think you mentioned you went to some dark places, and that's not necessarily where you know it needed to go. Why do you think it was such a struggle for you to, to write this book? I, I think, one, it has it has some themes in it that, very dear to my heart, and part of that is our 
I hate saying it, but our obsession with youth, our obsession with having, you know, you know, and I think it's really driven by the media. It's driven by advertisers. It's, uh, you know, by companies who, who tell us that we're not going to be good enough and we're not going to be valuable enough if we look old, that mm-hmm. we won't be loved if we don't look young and fresh. And every time we, you know, flip a page in a women's magazine, it's creams and lotions and um, Botox and Restylane and endless things. And it, it plays a little bit with my head because my dad was 40, almost 44 when he died. And I'm older than he was when he died. Mm-hmm. And I, so I've always felt this pressure of time. Time is fleeting. Time, you know, we only have so many years. And, I, you know, I began to then say, that's ridiculous. Let's not buy into this, that we won't be loved, that we're not valuable. But then you look at women on television who are replaced with younger models, whereas mm-hmm. men have a much longer, much longer shelf life on television than women do. And... Even the actors, you know, you can have a man who's in his 50s with a 20-something-year-old co-star, and that's fine. But you can't really flip it around still on television with 50-year-old actresses, you know, being the the, the dynamic lead for the younger man unless she's a cougar. There's unless it's, yeah, flirting with 40. <laughs> yeah, and, and then it's a novelty. You know, it's, know. it's not it's not an, a normal story. He's, she, you know, it's women have to be labeled if men are attracted to, an, you know, a woman who's, who's mature. Right. And rather than that being celebrated that here's this beautiful woman in her prime, well, we give her, you know, names. And I think that's, again, part of what drove this story and then what made it difficult. So it's taking that, some of these themes that really fire me up personally, um, with them knowing that there's so many people in this world who don't even have anything to eat, um, who don't have basics, and yet we'll spend... And I'm one of them. I'm not pointing fingers at other women. I mean, I you should see my shelf of cosmetics and creams and lotions and potions. But we'll spend a fortune mm-hmm. on, you know, skin care. And I'm not saying we shouldn't take care of our skin. But then there's this other side. You know, we also should have a, you know, do we have a responsibility to take care of other people? So, it, you know, I think I had a lot of things. And maybe it was so hard because I feel personally conflicted. You know, mm-hmm. I have personal guilt that I had such a blessed life and I, um, you know, I have so much, I need to give back. Am I giving back enough? So I think I was writing a story where I was wrestling with, you know, my, maybe my own values. It's difficult. I mean, I can totally relate to that. I, I've done some mission work in Africa, and I am the woman who I just, I'm not kidding, about a month ago was standing at a local beauty supply store. The woman beside me probably thought I was nuts, but I was like, you know what? If we women just made a pack that we weren't going to color our gray hair and we all just went beautifully gray, there wouldn't be this pressure. And, you know, she started to laugh because it's true. It's like you can you can get to that place where you think, okay, I'm just going to age naturally and not worry about it. But then you look around and go, oh, well, nobody else is doing Doing it. <laughs> you know, you feel like this pressure, and it's uh, it's hard. It's hard to kind of um, reconcile all that. Yeah, I, th- I think it is. And if everybody, you know, if surgery weren't allowed, like you know, you look back at the old photos. Um, I was just at my grandmother's home in Fresno, California. She passed away a year ago, and it was her last chance to take some grandma, you know, mementos home. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at photographs of families, you know, dating back to the 1830s, 40s, 50s. And, the, you know, there, there wasn't a lot women could do. You know, women didn't have cosmetics. Women couldn't color hair. There was no surgery. What God gave you is what you worked with. Right. And I, I thought, you know, it's, it's really different now. I, I thought my grandma's, I mean, before my grandma's time, I would not have probably been considered a, an attractive woman. I've had 
lots of, you know, braces, I wear contact lenses, I've had the benefits of dermatology and, you know, helped me when, in my teens with skin care. Um, you know, it's, it, so because it's created a whole new standard and a whole new level of beauty, and I love, and this is the thing, I love beautiful things, and I love playing with image. I grew up doing a lot of theater, so for me, I love the idea that we can reinvent ourselves, and which is kind of a theme of flirting with 40. We can become someone else, and we can play with what God gave us. But I think we have to be careful and not believe that that image is what makes us um, valuable. And yeah, and that's, that's a hard that's a hard thing to keep in check sometimes is your intention. You know, where where what yeah, like you say, where you're placing the value because we've all seen those women who have completely I mean, I'm all for if you've got something that is just really you're just obsessing about that is just really bothering you, you know, a nose job or something like that that's just you know, I feel like if you're wasting too much time worrying about it, then fix it and move on. However, there are women who we see every day on T V who almost look like lizard faces because they or they don't have an emotion because they can't move their face, you know. So it's hard. It's like I think it's people get caught up in it, like you say, and they just don't know maybe when to stop or where to place the value. Well, and I think that that's I, I wrote you know, touched on that in Mrs. Perfect. Um, Taylor Young had a she really needed um, to to invent this beautiful image for herself because she had a very painful childhood and and she had a lot of um, social stigmas because her family wasn't exactly on the wrong side of the tracks, but they weren't wealthy. Uh, they weren't respected in the community. Her mom, you know, had had left her father repeatedly, and she felt a lot of personal shame. So for her, constructing this new identity and image that she could project really helped her. It meant it, it protected her. But in the end, she, she began to think that image was who she was. And so I, I love, I guess this is why I love writing for women, because I think to a certain degree we all – we all want to be liked by everyone, and we think, all right, what's going to make us likable? And sometimes I think we stop looking at the inside, and we start getting worried about what everybody's seeing on the outside. And um, I think that's just the fun for me of writing. And this Easy on the Eyes was it had a combination of, you know, all the different things I like. Plus, I lived in South Africa for a year, and I, I really, really want to write about Africa and South Africa. And this book, let me do that in a little bit. We don't... Um, you know, I think I, I wrote a lot more Africa, and I, and I think that was part of the hard part in, in revision and, and the editing. I had to cut out about 200, 150, 200 pages of Africa stuff. Oh, and okay. I, I loved that, you know, before there were safaris in there. There was all kinds of things that, in the end, uh, chimpanzee sanctuary, all that had to come out. And that was hard because I loved that stuff, too. Is that something that you, that you went back and took out yourself, or did you have um, an editor that said, hey – this might need to come out. Um, you know, I I knew the story lacked attention. As yeah. a writer, I could see, all right, we're, we're spiraling off in a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to me. But right. it was um, probably, in terms of, of a taught story for readers, it, it, needed, it needed that pacing. Just tighten it up, yeah. yeah. So it was good. I mean, actually, my editor had, had mentioned it, but one of my good friends, um, Megan Crane, she's a fabulous author and an incredible writer. She had read it, and she said, Jane, you know, I, I love it, but it hinders the story instead of helps, and she was right. Mm. Well, what what is your favorite scene in Easy on the Eyes? You know, I think I think one of them is the first time we see Dr. O'Sullivan, Michael O'Sullivan, and mm. she, she's going on the Larry King show, and um, he's there, 
and I think their little banter. I love that because it's the first time we meet him, and she she can't stand him, but he he teases her in a way that no one else interacts with her that way, and I think it's really good for her. Um, she's she's as she's kind of discovered she's even though she's the famous famous woman on television, she lives a very lonely life in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love that, um, and then. I think almost any, I loved a lot of Africa scenes with our, um, what is it, RX Smile. Mm-hmm. And I think because I love Africa. But I, in the end, you know, it's, it's I'm just, I don't know. I, I, it, it's a book that I'll, I can't wait to see what readers think because I don't, I don't really have a handle on it. I just knew with Flirting with 40 and Odd Mom Out, I had a different perspective. Uh-huh. But both Mrs. Perfect and this one, I, I wasn't sure what the response would be. So. Well, I loved it. <laughs> oh, good! Yay! <laughs> was there a was there a scene that that was really difficult for you to write? You know, I think yes. I think that there were it's it's a series of scenes. I think writing about Tiana, writing about her and her grief, was difficult because if I were writing grief as Jane Porter, I, this was my story. It would be much more immediate. Um, but she's somebody who's lived with a lot of loss, and yet she's projected this Tiana Tomlinson personality for so many years. She, as a character, was very hard for me to get close to emotionally. Um, she was very isolated, and she had learned to, you know, be very disciplined, you know, diet, uh, work ethic, um, coming home, working on more stories late at night on her computer, going back to work the next day. It was hard to access that loss. And I think that that was hard because I, I felt like then when I touched on a little bit of her loss, for example, at Thanksgiving, when she re- realized that was kind of an anniversary of losing Keith, it, then it felt very overwhelming um, because she was kind of a, you know, shut, shut it all down, but when the floodgates were opened, I mean, she was flooded. Mm-hmm. And I... I battled as a writer wanting to give her a different emotional makeup. But as my characters come to me, they come as complete people. I don't give to, okay, to make you more likable, I'm going to make you more mature about grief. Or like with Taylor Young, to make you more likable, I'm going to make you more sensitive to the needs of others. I, I write them as these, peop, you know, as these people come to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was troubling because I kept thinking, how can I redeem her in a different way? How can I create her and make her some somebody that would be, um, maybe more balanced or sympathetic immediately. And, you know, frankly, I thought that's not the story. This is the story of this woman who's, who is what she is. Well, I like the fact, you know, you really go through the process with her. I mean, she, let's face it, she was a tad bit judgmental of Michael in the beginning, and she yeah. had to kind of go through the process, you know, <laughs> yeah. and kind of realize that, you know, we, we all do it. We make judgments of people when we, when we really don't. Um, when we don't know them, and she she had it, you know, people did the same thing to her. What I liked about one of the scenes, and it's small, but one of the scenes that stuck out to me because I I lost my father as well. Um, but uh, she was looking in the mirror and she saw her mother's reflection. You know, she could really see her mother's reflection looking back at her. Right. And I sort of had a, an instance like that when I was looking at a photograph, and I never really realized that I looked as much um, like my father as I as I do until I've aged and. I don't know. That was just a neat scene. I think that, like I said before, you really—it's—it's it's small. It's—it was just a small moment in the book, but you really kind of capture those those moments. Well, I'm glad, and I think that that's what I've tried in every book to have some of that. That's just important to me, as as 
a woman that there's a little, or and as a writer for what I write and how I write and how I think, that there's something that is grounded. I, I love an entertaining story and a big fat story and juicy stuff. But yeah. I wanted to relate to what our lives, our inner lives, are like. And I think that's part of the battle, you know, for me when I do write. It's how to take something that's entertaining, but keeping it connected with. Um, what a real woman might feel. And so I appreciate that. But thank you very much. You do. It's a, it's a very easy read. It moves quickly. And yet you've got these little nuggets that, you know, I've got them dog-eared in my book because I'm like, oh, wow, that's just really good. And I wanted to mention to listeners um, that Jane has offered a copy of Easy on the Eyes for our book giveaway contest. So be sure to enter by visiting the website, wordstomouth.com, and just leave a comment under the interview post. I'll have some instructions there. Or you can always call 206 309 7318 and leave a comment. Just make sure that you're signed up for the e-newsletter because that's how I announce winners. One of the questions that I always ask authors is, what are you reading right now? I wonder if you have time to read with all you've got going on. Are you reading anything um, right now? I I have several books that have arrived from Amazon that I've ordered ages ago because I I pre-ordered several of my favorite authors' books, but I have not been able to crack them open. I have um, a J.R. Ward. I love J.R. Ward's books. Okay. I have a J.R. Ward novel. I have um, Mary Balow. I always say her name wrong, or Balow. She's a Canadian uh, writer. She writes historical romance. I have one of her, two of her brand new ones out. Um, I have a new cookbook out that I don't think I'll be cooking anytime soon. I just have a stack of books that until my new book is done and it's due August 1st, I don't think I can write. But I mean, I don't think I can read. But once I'm done, I, I can't wait to jump in and uh, get caught up. Well, tell us a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about your next book? Yeah, you know, it's it's a story. It's a character you see in Easy on the Eyes. It's the final character that we first meet in Martha's book, Odd Mom Out. Her name is Shay. She's a a Texas girl who's been a big top model for a number of years, and that she's um, lives in New York. She has three boys. Her husband's a fashion photographer. But as you see in Easy on the Eyes, her marriage is starting to come apart for various reasons. Mm-hmm. And in the book of right now, it's Shay's story, and the title She's Gone Country. And Shay's moved back to her ranch, her family's ranch outside of, it's about an hour and a half outside of Dallas in Palo Pinto County. And so she's there with her boys, and her husband's still in New York, and they're trying to figure out what's going to happen now. Mm-hmm. And it's a... Um, for me, you know, it, it doesn't sound, com- you know, exciting and commercial. That's why I can't write blurbs. Because if you ask me what was easy on the eyes when I was trying to write it, it was a lot about, you know, a woman and dealing with plastic surgery and the pressures of aging. Mm-hmm. Well, nobody necessarily wants to read that. And so when I was asked by my editor to describe um, Shay's story, I said, oh, it deals with, you know, Shay, and she's got this crisis in her, her marriage, and her boys are in crisis. One of them suffers from depression. And... That doesn't necessarily sound like a wonderful, juicy story. But there's a lot of great, you know, a great, great, she has her old high school, I mean, the, the love of her life was this guy she had a crush on or was in love with as a high school girl. And that's why she got sent to the boarding school. And it's her older brother, Brick's best friend. He's a, a retired bull riding champ. And he's back. I mean, he's, you know, she's in the vicinity where he is. And Dane Cook is his name. And she hasn't seen Dane for years. And he's still pretty cool, rugged, retired bull riding champ. But he's been wounded. Um, he got hurt in the ring. 
and uh, he's changed, and now here she's with her three boys, and they're struggling, all the boys with image and what's happening with their dad and Mm -hmm. their dad's crisis. And part of the story is what does it mean to be a male in our society, and what does it mean to be a man, as well as what does it mean to mother boys and raise boys. So it's a story I, as a mom now of three boys, I started the story before there was a third boy in it, (laughs) but... I, I asked That's that interesting. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I I've known about this book that I wanted to write it for almost two years, and mm-hmm. especially writing about boys and depression because it's not something we really talk about a lot in our society. We talk about girls and eating disorders, and we talk about bullying, right. but we kind of avoid uh, the idea that uh, boys and depression as if it's not as if it doesn't exist or it's not valid or or it's not manly and. Right. There's lots of layers to our kind of obsession with with this this male this male figure we need to raise, but we don't talk about what happens when they're they're hurt, mm. and it, not just um, weight issues or muscle issues, or but when they're when they're fragile, how do we get them through that without thinking that they're less than? And so, yeah, it's 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 a story again, very close to my heart. I feel like in some ways I, I'm. I don't want it to go too dark, which is why I always love putting in, you know, it's a, a sexy man somewhere because it, it lightens things up. And as a woman, I love I love a great sexy hero. So. Yeah, Dane Cook, that's a good name. <laughs> that works. Yeah, and I have I have pictures of him. On, I always do visual boards. So oh. next to my desk, I have all these pictures of this guy who's this model that I've loved for years. He's an Andrew Mark. He's the Andrew Mark uh, model. Oh. And he's a gorgeous guy. All my little boys come in the room and they're like, Mom, do you really have to pick up and sit on your wall? <laughs> like, yes, yeah, honey. hey, Mom, you're a creeper, yeah. as my kids would say. Oh, I see. Yes, that's part of my job, guys, and they laugh <laughs> at me. That's all right. Yeah, that's a pretty. That was a pretty complicated um, marriage that that Shay was in at the at the end there. So yeah. that'll be interesting. Uh, you know, just from and I and I'll. And I'll uh, tied this up but just do you realize before you start writing and you're thinking about the story how closely sometimes these stories are you know that you show up in these books you know some of the things that you said before about um having the three boys or um i don't know there's been a couple other different things do you realize that how closely it's tied to you before you um before you finish or do you kind of read it and go oh wow i didn't know you know i didn't realize i was going to show up in there the one with the, the issue of the boys and um, the de- you know the depression. I mean that a lot of that comes from my own life with one of my boys. But it, it was important for me because I've dealt with things and we have struggled with things. And I thought just like Tiana and this whole issue of pressure of aging and beauty in our society, I, it's, I, it's angered me and frustrated me that it's so hard sometimes to get both the help and the recognition of what the issue is, as well as you know. The, the protection of this child while you're working through a difficult situation. Mm-hmm. You know, how are we going to get, you know, this this boy through this difficult time in his life and get the world to back off and get everybody else to their point of view to back off and let me do what I need to do as a mom. Mm-hmm. And so I knew all along, I you know, I knew a couple books back that there that this was a story I wanted to write and I needed to write. And that's how my books are made, actually. They're, I have, so yes, to answer your question, I do know I use pieces of my life, and usually the pieces I use are the things I personally have struggled with, mm-hmm. because I know I'm not alone. I mean, I wish I was this wonderful, dazzling, unique creature, but I'm not. I'm not that original. And I know if I have struggled with aging, if I struggled with, you know, I, I have a, a 
my mom's husband has Alzheimer's, and I wrote about Alzheimer's and odd mom out. If I had this, other women do too. If um, and I and I think I'd like to write again the stories that we can relate to. Yes, we can be entertained, but to let women know we're not alone, and we don't have to be, you know, perfect creatures. Mm-hmm. We can have struggles, and those struggles just make our lives richer. You know, we don't need to be afraid or ashamed. So. You know, I, I think I write my books for me, and I write them for the women who who want a story like this. Well, I appreciate your transparency, and, and I love that, that attitude, because I think that a lot of women, and I think we talked about this a little bit before, is that, we you know, we're all, especially young moms, are out there trying to be perfect and, and do everything right, and uh, it really is a sigh of relief when you realize, when someone <laughs> kind of puts it out there and says, hey, you know, I'm struggling with this, and um, it kind of opens things up, and it just, I don't know, it makes things easier. So I appreciate that. I think that that's what we, you know, for me, we talked, like you said, a little bit about this. It is a mission for me to write. I mean, writing is very demanding, and I'm probably not the the brightest light bulb. I'm probably not the most creative woman. I mean, I know I'm not. But what I I have is this tremendous desire to, to connect with other women and say, let's not be harder on ourselves than we need to be, and let's like ourselves. In fact, let's let's make sure we're enjoying this. Let's make sure we find ways to enjoy being a mom, a wife, a friend. I think there's so many of us who are so intent on doing the right thing or being good or being really, you know, superb at mothering, wifing, mm-hmm. that there's very little pleasure sometimes. And I don't think that that's, you know, I don't think that's what life is about. I don't think it's about this horrible, you know, journey of, of perfection or, or rightness at the expense of any joy. I always think of, you know, the fruits of the spirit. It it sounds strange, but there should be peace and there should be love and hope and joy. And I would want that for every woman. And so my story is, is, yeah, they're entertaining, but I have my own little mission to say be loved and love and laugh and play. And hopefully at the end of every book I've given somebody a little bit of playtime. Well, that's a wonderful place to stop. That's a great message. And I appreciate you taking some time with us. I did want to tell listeners about your website, which is janeporter.com. Very simple. And I encourage people to go there because you've got a lot of great blog posts. And I know that it's got to be somewhat of a struggle for you to share yourself and also remain a tad bit private. But you you do a great job of um, really interacting with your readers. So I encourage people to go check that out. Is there anything else that you want to share before we go? I just always so enjoy talking to you. You make the time go by so fast. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. You have to stay in touch with me. Please uh, make sure that you put me on your list or tell your publicist or whoever to send me your next book because that sounds really good and I'd love to have it on the show. I will. I will. Thank you. Okay, Jane. Take care. Bye. Bye.
So if you're interested in winning a copy of Easy on the Eyes, be sure to visit wordstomouth.com and leave a comment there or call 206-309-7318 and leave me a voicemail that I can play on air. And I will let you know if you won via my newsletter. You need to be subscribed to that in order to know if you won. I did give listeners and readers a sneak peek on the winners for the more recent books. And I'll shout out to uh, Sharon Walling, Kristen, Janet Fay, Mary Kay, and Rajmi, a mommy reviewer. You all want a book, so you make sure, if I haven't heard from you, that you go to the site and find out which book it is and contact me and send me your mailing address so I can get the book to you. New books that have come in, Jennifer Weiner's newest, uh, Best Friends Forever. I've got a copy of that book, so if you're one of her fans, be sure to get on the website and uh, let me know that you're interested in winning a copy of that. I also have Jody Peekholtz Handle with Care, so get on the site and comment, and I will be drawing winners for that pretty soon. As I mentioned earlier with Jane, um, I've been working on this project, Hope for Authors, so all you writers, if you are interested in finding out ways to get help getting your book published and promoted, please go to hopeforauthors.com. My partner Tom and I have been working really hard. (laughs) This has been a project that I didn't think was going to take so long, but it has been a labor of love. I've had a great time interviewing a lot of the top experts um, and writers and getting some sage advice on how to get your book published, how to build a team of people that can help you be successful and how to promote your book um, using a lot of the new social media tools and digital media. So check that out at hopeforauthors.com. I hope you're having a great summer. I am headed to the beach and I'm looking forward to spending time with family so you're not going to hear from me for a little while. Um, But Please, you know, I'm on Twitter, Carrie, C-A-R-R-I-E-W-T-M for words to mouth. So connect with me on Twitter, connect with me on Facebook, and please comment on the site. Let me hear from you. Let me know what authors that you're interested in hearing from or about, and I will do my best to connect with them. Just know that I appreciate you. Take good care. And as always, thanks to Natalie Brown for her song, You Gotta Believe, from the Podsafe Music Network. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.